Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Untamed and Unashamed podcast. This is a place where together we can navigate through life's ups and downs with all of the vulnerability, compassion, and openness that we can muster. Along with the help of guests from all walks of life, we'll discover new truths while doing some unlearning, and we'll gain valuable tools for becoming who we already are while also uncovering our divine gifts. I'm Jade Bryce, and I'm so happy that you're here. Our guest today serves as the CFO of the Motherhood Center of New York, a mental health clinic providing care to women who are suffering with postpartum depression. She is a business consultant and life coach and the author of The Gift of Maybe, Finding Hope and Possibility in Uncertain Times. It focuses on reducing daily stress and worry and finding more hope, success, and presence by embracing the mindset of maybe. Oprah Magazine included the concept of maybe as an example of mind-blowing new definitions for everyday words and cited it in their new and improved feature, Dictionary to Enlightenment. Allison's work has also been supported by Mata Amritanandamai, a renowned humanitarian known as Ama, which means mother, the hugging saint, and one of India's foremost spiritual leaders. Before I tell you the title of her most recent book, I'll ask any men that are listening to not hit stop once they hear it. There will be valuable information for you to pull from this episode as well, especially if you have wives, mothers, daughters, or female friends, and especially if there are women in your workplace. With that said, her most recent book, A Year Without Men, A 12-Point Guide to Inspire and Empower Women, offers simple, practical tools to help women to look within, to find their own values, morals, and passions, to work on their skills, to call on other women, and to forge new ways to do business. Together, women can create new ways to earn money, new ways to look at beauty, and so many other new ways to be in the world. This wonderfully inspirational book sends a clear message that when we allow ourselves to be who we truly are, when our own voices matter to us, we will succeed as parents, entrepreneurs, industry leaders, and innovators. Her hope is that the ideas in this book will inspire us to embrace our own creative, authentic, and abundant lives, to take a stand and gain the power to overcome any obstacle. Please help me welcome Allison Carmen to Untamed and Unashamed. 
Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here today. Yeah, me too. I'm super excited. So I'd love to hear what brought you to do the work that you're doing today. Well, that's a really interesting question. I think a lot of us come to this work unexpectedly. Yeah. Uh, you know, my background, I was a lawyer, uh, but for most of my life, I had a lot of fear, a lot of fear of the unknown, a lot of worry, a lot of stress. And I wrote stories of my life about what needed to happen for, for me to be okay. And that deep fear of uncertainty kind of led me away from the law into business consulting and a very deep spiritual life. And then I wrote The Gift of Maybe because it was a beautiful idea that really helped me overcome this idea of uncertainty. And I thought my life was pretty good. I was you know, growing and I thought I was self-empowered. I thought I was independent. And then on June 30th, 2018, my husband of 27 years came home one day and said, Allison, I, I wanna have sex with other women and I want to still have family holidays and family vacations, but I'm leaving you. And, you know, I had two girls at the time and that moment, you know, it's funny in life, you think you've had crushing moments that light, that moment in my life, I actually felt my whole body collapse. I actually fell to the floor and mm. I, I didn't know how I was going to live the rest of my life. Mm. And it's been a very painful three years, but at the same time, that first year, it was like literally within a two week period, my husband leaves, my biggest client of 25 years, male client stopped speaking to me. And then five days later, another client who was an all woman day hospital, the motherhood center invited me to come work for them. And literally within a two week period, men were gone. Businessmen were gone, husband gone. I'm working with only women, which I never had that experience over my 30 years and more women kept entering my life and it it was just like a shedding uh, through deep pain and grief but also awakening it, you know awakened to the places in my own life that i was hiding and all the times in business that i compromised or i wasn't fully my authentic self and then the more i experienced the more i realized how so many women have this experience we think we're whole because we're able to get the education we think we're whole because we're able to get the job but then when we land there we realize that we've been this patriarchy, this social contract we all have has disempowered us. So our voice isn't as strong. And then the structure we enter to, usually corporate America, doesn't really welcome us. And if we don't change from within and start to believe different things about ourselves and different things about society, we're never gonna quite get there. And I think mm -hmm. I saw that. I looked successful to many people, but I wasn't my most successful self. And so a year without men were my lessons from the year, but also a hope, a hope that women can take a better look within themselves, a deeper look within themselves and empower themselves to go out there with their true voice and break the systems that hold them back, create new businesses, create a new way to be and live better lives. So that's how I got here. Unexpected, never thought it. But at the same time, I feel very blessed to, to keep learning and growing in this lifetime. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> that's, man, uh, that experience in 2018, um, what many would also call like a dark night of the soul, you know, um, I feel like I've had a few of those and I feel like I'm currently going through one as well. And you said a shedding um, and I definitely feel, I keep feeling like it's a cleansing of all of the things that didn't serve me and I just wasn't aware of. Um, and it's as things are falling apart, as you may, you know, 
it may seem like it, there are other things that are falling together that feel in more, more in alignment and more heart centered and more authentic to what I want to do in the world. So, um, I relate to that so much. Um, so what, so a, a, a year without men is such an intriguing title to a book. Um, it almost seems like, um, if, if you didn't, you know, hear your story that it was like a book about celibacy or something like that, you know, like how did it turn out to be that too? But yeah, no. <laughs> that wasn't the intention. It was really an experience of not being dominated by men in my life or me not hiding behind men or me finding my own power. And it literally though, I mean, the book in a way wrote itself. I mean, if you would have told me on June 29th, 2018, that this was, I wouldn't have believed you. I wouldn't believe you. And the fact that in a two week period, the two, my biggest male client for 25 years, the husband for 27 years, all fell away to end up in an all woman company. It just, and it kept happening. Women kept entering my life. It was really a year filled with women, filled with a different kind of energy and really no men. And it, again, the book is not against men. It's not anti-men, it's just, for women, it, it's yeah. for us to actually kind of stand equally. It's for us yeah. to have equity. Um, so that's how where the title came from, and it it was that was and that was the real experience. Yeah, that it wasn't until it was removed totally that I was able to see the pieces of me that were broken, the pieces of me that I was hiding. Because sometimes it's a, when the world is not welcoming you totally, it's very easy to hide behind somebody else, mm-hmm. right? It's very easy to kind of sit back a little bit or stop fighting because you it's exhausting. And then when there's another way to be, sometimes we just embrace that way, but that might not be best. what's best for us, our most successful self, our most loving self, our most kind self. Mm-hmm. So that was the experience. It's a very hopeful book in a, in a lot of ways. Yeah, and because we, you know, our listeners on this show are typically 50, 50 male, female. And for those men who are choosing to still, you know, listen to this episode, I'm curious, what, what would be something you want them to grasp from this episode? If you're still listening, um, (laughs) well, first of all, you know, what's interesting. If you read the book without this idea, this is a woman's book, a chick book. Mm -hmm. If you read it, the, the lessons in there will help anybody. Mm -hmm. because uncertainty, acceptance, trust, these are things that hold everybody back. Mm -hmm. And my argument is that a lot of these things harm women more because they don't have the same kind of equity or equality in our society. And I'll go into that more as we speak. So anyone reading the book is gonna be empowered and they're gonna be helped. But also, you know, as you go into the business world, if you're in a, in a, a, a corporation or a company or a structure in your life, where everyone is not treated equal, one day it's going to hit you. You think that, oh, you know, women are just not treated well in this company. Women aren't uh, advanced. They're they're allowed to be spoken down to. They're not always, you know, people are allowed to roll their eyes. I have learned in my life, eventually it will be you. So if a man is listening, if he's not in a place that's treating everyone as equal, eventually when he has a hard time, when he's stressed, when his life's not working out, will that place treat you well? Will mm-hmm. that treat that place support you so yes if you are acting exactly as a place wants you to act you might have success but that might not be your authentic self so we all want to be in a in a world in a company in corporate america that has more compassion more empathy allows for more feelings that cares about work-life balance so this benefits everybody because when the world changes and things become more collaborative and relationships are improved we all 
are more joyous. We all are more successful. So I think it's a world we should all dream of for the betterment of everyone. But again, also anyone who reads the book will find, look, we all fear the unknown. So anyone reading the book will be helped. So I think man or woman, I think it's beneficial. And how does that fear of the unknown or uncertainty affect us in business and personal lives? And what can we do about that fear of the unknown? Yeah. What's so interesting is that in my years in business, I find men and women fear the unknown just as much. Oh yeah. I, I don't feel that one gender. It's we feel uncertain we fear uncertainty because we're afraid we're not gonna be okay. Right. Mm -hmm. We all want to know that we could pay our mortgage. We all want to know that our kids are going to be okay, that we're going to keep our job. And sometimes it overwhelms us because we want so bad to feel that safety. But the rub is that life is uncertain. Mm -hmm. And what happens with women is that because there's less opportunity, because there's less equity, because the road is not as clear, if you fear uncertainty, it's going to affect a woman more because they're, they usually have to kind of find unique ways often to be successful in a world that doesn't always welcome them. So mm -hmm. I find that everybody needs to deal with their relationship with uncertainty because every job you pick, every relationship you have, everything you do in life will be determined by your ability to, to tolerate uncertainty. But it does affect women more. Um, and what's so interesting is that when you start to see the unknown, as a place of possibility. Because if you think about it, if you're unhappy today and you want your life to change, it has to happen in the unknown. That place we fear is the place where the gift is. And if you are able to kind of look at uncertainty as your best friend, if you're able to look at it as a place of opportunity, you're gonna have more courage to live the life that you want to. And like I said in the beginning, I was addicted to certainty. If I didn't know what was gonna happen next, I crashed. I got stressed, I worried, things could never work out and I got sick and my life, I was never able to stabilize my life because knowing became more important than knowing me. Knowing what was gonna happen next became more important than the choice that really mattered. And it wasn't until one day I was complaining about something and I heard this beautiful story about this, ho this farmer and he had a horse and his horse ran away. And the neighbor came by and said, you have the worst luck. And the farmer said, maybe. But the next day the horse came back with five mares. And the neighbor came by to the farmer and said, you have the best luck. And the farmer said, maybe. But then the next day, the farmer's son is on the horse. He falls off and breaks his leg. And the neighbor comes by and says, you have the worst luck. And the farmer says, maybe. But the next day, the army comes to take his son to war and they can't take him because his leg is broken. And the neighbor comes by to the farmer and says, you have the best luck. And the farmer says, maybe. And it's a Taoist story that's supposed to mean things are neither good or bad. But when I heard that story, I actually felt a pop in my chest because the minute something happened in my life I didn't like, I thought it was going to be bad. Things would never get better. Things are gonna, never going to work out. And this Forever. word, maybe, this little word just mm -hmm. kind of hooked me. And it was like, well, you don't know. That's the beauty. Your fears are not certain. So what else is there? You're making maybe my new favorite word. <laughs> It is, it is literally saved me so many times. Maybe everything's okay. Maybe it'll get better. I used to hate the word because I was like, well, how can it be both? Like, I needed things to be black and white. You can't but, do both. I need but they're not. Their things aren't black and white, right? And we already live in the maybe not. That's the problem. Yeah. So, it might not work out, but maybe it will. And the minute you allow yourself that other piece, that light, that opening, life mm -hmm. starts to change. And you start to, you can actually cultivate faith through this idea of maybe because you're willing not to know. Mm -hmm. So for me, I wrote this beautiful book and my husband leaves me. I I have to be honest, when he left, there was no maybe. It, it was crash, bird, scorched earth. But 
over time, I started to cultivate it because, and, and if you're funny, if you read my book and you read my biggest fears, one of my biggest fears in the gift of maybe was, would my husband always love me? Mm. And so when I went back to that book, when I was crying and wheezing and I saw those words and I was like, wait a second, it's in the gift of maybe that means my life has maybe. Mm. So it, but it took me a while, but maybe it's the hope because you don't know. And because you don't know, there still until your last breath, you have hope. And if you have hope, you have maybe. And if you have maybe, that means life might offer you something else. Our need to be okay sometimes crushes us. It suffocates us because we pick that over this adventure that life gives us. Yeah. So again, it affects men and women, but affects women more because often we have to go out and start our own businesses. Often we have to manage a life where we're taking our care of our kids and we still want to be out in the world. We have to be very creative and we have to find ways for our voice to be heard, especially because many of us have been told our voice doesn't matter in different ways. So if women could cultivate a beautiful relationship with uncertainty and maybe is for me the easiest way, you will start to see your life will change and you will take more risks and you will take more chances and eventually you'll have more success. So for me, maybe once again was everything. Ambiguity was always really hard for me um, because as a child, I didn't have any certainty. We, you know, I went to 18 different schools. I never knew what to expect. I never knew what mood my parents would be in. And so for me, I clung to certainty as an adult. And I definitely think there's power to knowing your yeses, but this freedom of maybe is amazing. And I um, here recently have been wanting to make a big transition uh, where I'm stepping away from things that may be more image-based in my career and solely focus on coaching and um, specifically with women, um, not, you know, not saying no to men who want to sign up, but I feel specifically called to helping women um, set up their relationship containers and call in the partner that they, that they desire and then to work on helping them feel the worth of allowing that in, you know? And so that's something that I feel really, really called to. Um, but it's, it's, it is still a big maybe because it's, that's a hard thing to begin. It's a hard thing to get clients consistently, especially when you have children, you know, you're taking a leap financially when you're, you know, leaving one and pursuing another. So, um, so I love that because it does make it feel, it gives it more of an excitement as well to the opportunity. Um, I also wanted to talk to you about how we can move forward, not just in our work lives, but also in our personal lives when someone has compromised our trust. And I know that, you know, that betrayal wound that opened up for you in 2018, it had to have been hard for you to then stay open and trust. So I'm curious your input there. Yeah, and I didn't expect, it's funny, every lesson I didn't expect. I expected the maybe the unexpected, the uncertainty, because I was already dabbling in that. And I didn't even see it until one night. I you know, was trying to be open. I was trying to be in maybe. I went out with this woman, a friend of mine. I didn't know her that well. And we were at dinner and she said to me, you know, your husband cheated on you. And I said, did you know him? She says, no. She said, but no guy would leave without having something in his back pocket. Mm. And I remember that feeling like I just like someone had stabbed me in my, in my stomach, in my chest, I guess. I, I never really processed that point that how would I ever trust again? 
and it was literally this black hole that kept getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And then I had this realization that if that was my focus, who can I trust? How can I trust? When I can trust? Where I could trust? I'd be living this very outer life where I would have no control. Mm -hmm. And then it just came to me, I need to trust that I will be okay no matter what. Mm -hmm. And when you really, and it takes a long time to get, but when you really know that, you become less afraid. Because if you think about it, you meet somebody, you want to go in business with them, you sign the agreement, but even agreements could be broken. You you kind of know it might not work out, but as long as you know you could trust yourself and you'll figure it out, if you're starting a new business, like you just said, like if the clients come, if they don't come, if you need more money, if you need less money, if you trust you'll figure it out, you're not going to be thinking about the clients didn't come, the clients didn't come. You're going to be more focused on your own your own resilience. And that's what shifted it for me. I started to think about, I can, I can do this because no matter what, I will figure it out. I trust me. And it's funny because I had dealt with a lot of people in business over the years who were like, you can't trust anybody. And those people usually were less successful over time. They made it like they didn't trust anybody and they were protecting themselves, but they never formed good relationships. They never formed good relationships with their employees. It was always about I need to make sure that you don't take advantage of me. And I need to make sure that that contract is ironclad. Yeah, you do. But at the same time, if you're not willing to be vulnerable and expose yourself and really get in there with people, you're not going to get the same kind of opportunities. You're not going to live a deep life. So that shift for me was everything. So I'm not so worried that someone is going to deceive me again because I know that I'll figure it out. And so self-trust is one of the most important qualities in your personal life and your business life. Again, mm -hmm. you need to take care of yourself. You need to be responsible. You need to make the best choice you can. But after you make it, you gotta open up and live and, and willing to connect, right? Mm -hmm. In business especially too, relationships matter. Personal and business, you know, people give us opportunities when we really connect and we really connect when we're vulnerable and we're open. So. Self-trust for me is the way to go. It takes time to cultivate, but you'll just have more success in life and you'll have less fear. Yeah, I think self-trust is so big as well as like trust in source or God, whatever, you know, people want to call that higher power. I know yesterday for me, I've been really distraught over, over something I've been going through. And yesterday in meditation, the question came up of what is like, what is the fear at all of this, which fear is the opposite of trust, right? So what is the fear at all of this? And the, the fear was something I love is going to be taken from me. Mm. And then it was the question that came up was, what is that fear trying to ask of you? What is behind it? And it was know that you're going to be okay, even if it's taken away from me, even if it's taken away from you, you're going to be okay. So come at this from a place of love and not fear, because either way you're gonna be okay. And that's so beautiful, and that goes back to uncertainty, right? Yeah. This fear that if this particular thing doesn't happen in my life, I am doomed, it is over, it is the end of the line. And so many of us live like that, and that's why we live in fear, because we forget that maybe that won't happen, maybe the thing won't be taken away, but if it is, life will offer me something new again. Yes. And so again, it comes back to, I find that my relationship with uncertainty, it, it does kind of hook in a lot to the self-trust because I have to allow the unknown 
I have to allow the surrender, the allow the letting go, allow the possibility. And then within that also know that I have what it takes. And in a way it's kind of like, you know, you have to be okay with outer uncertainty and then create an inner certainty, mm-hmm. right? Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. So, but they, they're very related. The unknown, honestly, that relationship floats into every area of our lives. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say that there's this great exercise in the book, um, in the first chapter where you ask yourself, it's a related to what you just said, you ask yourself what your biggest fear is mm-hmm. and you write it down. I'm afraid something will be taken from me. I'm afraid I can't start a new business. I'm afraid I'll never find love again. And then you question the fear. It's kind of very related to what you said. Are you absolutely certain that fear is true? And the beauty is we just like we can't be certain of the future, you cannot be certain that what you fear is true. And then you say, what else is there? So if the fear is not true, what else is there? And that's when you get to the baby. And I write maybe statements down for 15, 20 minutes. Maybe I'll still be okay. Maybe I can accept this and move on. Uh, maybe there's something else I can't see. Maybe I need to call somebody. Maybe I need to, and after 20 minutes of maybe, I have this expansion in my chest. I can still hold the fear, but at the same time, I hold all these other new possibilities. Mm-hmm. And then I can say, I trust, I have. I can do this. I, I, after 20 minutes of maybe statements, the, the self-trust kind of pops in really, really strongly and I'm on my way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so good. Mm, thank you. That's I, I love that journaling prompt of writing out the maybes. Yeah, yeah it, it, it is for me. It's everything. Yeah. It's everything. When when my husband left, I I tried to do it at first, and and I couldn't. I couldn't. And then imagine it, it's funny that the head of the motherhood center is a psychiatrist. So the fact that I was working at an all woman company and my boss was a psychiatrist was like the universe. You know playing almost like it's like Allison you need help here it is so in between meetings because I knew she was a friend of mine I would actually say to her I think I'm dying and I had one of the lead psychologists psychiatrists in the world saying you're not dying you're mm-hmm. going to be okay and then she took the gift of maybe and she made it her mouse pad hmm. and and I remember like those moments where she, where I would see maybe every day on her mouse pad in my mind in my heart and then I used to do the exercises again and again and again, and then it it, it just kind of gets in there and it just yeah. fills you with hope. We all want to be hopeful, we just don't know how to get there. And we all want to feel safe, but we all know safety lies within. And so it's mm. when we start to kind of able to connect to these things. And sometimes, like you said, sometimes you just have to give it up. Sometimes you have to say, universe, God, whatever you believe in, take this from me, you know, and I need help, I need support. So we support ourselves and then we look above and hope that we'll get more support as well. Yeah, so good. Thank you. So pivoting a little bit, um, I wanted to talk about how women can be judged so harshly for their emotions. Um, you know, it's like a man can throw a man can throw a temper tantrum and you think he's just having a bad day. But for a woman, it's like she can be judged really harshly as like unstable if she, you know, has some sort of tantrum. So I don't know if tantrum is the right word, but I want to talk about what we can do about breaking that stigma and move ahead. And also maybe why, like what, why is that judgment there? You know, it's so funny. That happens to be one of the most interesting things that I've, that I've learned during the year that, you know, corporate America makes it like emotions sink ships. And you're like, oh, don't cry, don't cry. 
And it started for me, I was at the motherhood center and I had had a long career where I had literally had to deal with men trying to beat each other up in the workplace, men being angry, rolling their eyes, being resentful, like really heavy stuff. Yet when a woman would say she was stressed or she would shed a tear, it would be like, oh, she doesn't have what it takes. So, mm-hmm. and I think the stigma exists because of the social contract, the patriarchy, the, the, the male dominated way that we're supposed to be. We're supposed to act like robots, get our jobs done. And it's like you said, it's not good for anybody. It's not good for a man or for a woman. So it's like a couple of months in and I'm sitting at the motherhood center and I'm in a director meeting. And this one of the directors starts hysterically crying. She's very upset about something. And I'm in a women of, they're all women in the room. Nobody budges and nobody cares. And she's crying and her tears. And at the same time she's crying, she is talking about really amazing stuff, like being really creative. Mm-hmm. And then she stops. And then she was just a, a brilliant woman who was a great work. She had this moment where she cried and nobody cared. And what was so beautiful about that moment is she didn't put it on anyone else. And that's where corporate America has it wrong. It's not that I tell you that I'm stressed. It's not that I cry. It's when I put my behavior on you. Mm-hmm. And the craziest thing is I have found more men over my career have put their behaviors and emotions on other people than women have. Mm -hmm. So for me, I think men are more emotional at work on a whole. And I've worked with also some great men, some, some great leaders, but on a whole, I find women less emotional at work if you include all the other emotions. And I think Mm -hmm. that it's a stigma and unfortunately it's real. And the only way as women, we can overcome it is to be, more empowered within ourselves, but at the same time, we also need to be more responsive and less reactive because the stigma exists. So I'm a big believer. I don't have anything wrong. If we're working with me, if you're stressed, you can tell me, don't take it out on me, but let me try to help you. And I think a work environment like that is more productive. People stay longer, you're more profitable. But at the same time, if we're reactive in a work environment, whether you're a man or a woman, you're gonna be less thoughtful and you're gonna put your emotions on other people. So I think that practicing, finding a practice where when the stimuli comes in, you find a way to process it. Even if you decide to tell someone how you're feeling, if you could find more clarity, if you could say it with more calmness, if you could say it like, you know, just clear and and just in a way where you're, you're not all over the place, you're gonna have a better result. So I think women need to, to be more responsive than men because they have less of a runway, right? Mm-hmm. To be able, to show those emotions. And I'm, my hope and prayer is that as women look within and kind of become more whole and go out into the world, they'll start more businesses. Corporate America also needs to change. And as all these things start changing, hopefully the stigma changes, but while it exists, we need to be less reactive and more responsive. We need to be acknowledged that it exists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that you know some of my favorite men are very emotional. They cry yeah. and talk about what they're passionate about. They, you know, they're not screaming, but they'll raise their voice when they want you to be to hear their point, you know, because they're passionate about what, you know, they're speaking on. And I, I would love for both genders to have more space for that. Um, I think it's so important with the anger that it's clean anger, because even anger needs to have that space. But I think on the receiving end, something that we really need to work on that's like one of the hardest of the four agreements is to not take it personal because 
we can do the work of not putting it on the person in front of us, but it doesn't mean the person in front of us isn't going to take it personal because we have all been conditioned to make it about us, you know? So that's, that's, it's a, you know, I think that's a big part of it as well. Um, but also too, there, there is, that's all true. And yet there's, there's a judgment when a man does it and when a woman does it in the workplace, like we said, it's, it's so much more acceptable for a man to be that way. And it's, and when a woman does it, it's a moment in time where they say she doesn't have what it takes to be here. Mm-hmm. And so how do we, as women, we have to, what happens too, I think is women become more robotic and they become more masculine. They try to act like men to succeed. So as women, how do we come forward as whoever we are yeah. authentically, but we do need to have more responsiveness. So you know, how do we collect ourselves? How do we use those emotions in a more productive way so people could hear us? Mm-hmm. So it shouldn't be just our job, but right now, if we can shift within and go out to, into the world differently, I think that we could create more awareness in the world. And also mm-hmm. I hope women like the motherhood center, the motherhood center is a big matriarchy and I find it more empathetic and more compassionate and we're very profitable. So my hope is that also women will start more businesses and welcome men in of course, and just create new paradigms, create new ways of being because money and compassion and empathy and equity, it could all exist at the same time. Mm-hmm. And this, this, thing that people have about not welcoming women on the stage, it it's time for it to end. And I think a better world will come from all of us being able to work together in, in a better way. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, there's so many double standards there we, that we could go into how, you know, we don't judge men for objectifying a woman, but we judge women for allowing a man to objectify her. There's so many different areas of that. Um, I also wanted to bring up, I I saw that you have a podcast called 10 Minutes Less Suffering. I was very excited about it because as a mother, those short podcasts are gold for me. Um, But I wanted to, uh, I don't know if you could give us an example of something we can do in just 10 minutes or under that would reduce our suffering. Um, Um, You have, people can go to your podcast because you have so many examples over there, but maybe you can give a taste of what is offered. First of all, my podcast, it is, almost it's like a spiritual practice for me as well yeah Uh, but i do have to say that i don't mean to go back to maybe but that exercise that we just talked about it is the easiest thing we can do because most of the time we're stressed or we're worried because we're afraid something's not going to work out the way we want it to so that for me control issues yeah yeah that's also that for me is just you you let me be in your life and you will be less stressed and less worried because you're, you're not going to feel like the sky is always falling. That's what happens. You know, people who don't have faith are always worried, especially when you have children. It is, it is so hard. Like for me, you know, it's interesting about children is that we're all attached to our children. Mm -hmm. We just are, you know, um, I just don't know another way to way to live, but part of the thing is also we fear the unknown. So we could, we could want everything to be great, but our fear of uncertainty is what makes it even more heartache because we're gonna see our kids upset, we're gonna see them suffer, we're gonna see them disappointed. But if we know that life has maybe, we're gonna realize their life has maybe too. So mm-hmm. that's, that's a beautiful practice. And also, you know, the practice of gratitude. I mean, I know people talk about it all the time, but you know, always looking at what you have is, it's a, it, to me, it's, that's your platform. Yes. When you're spinning out of control and you think life's not working out, 
you know, maybe it's going to help you, but you have to find a place to stand, whether you're in business. Thank you. And you look, look for those resources. And of course, also acceptance, you know, it's, you know, there are different types of acceptances, but again, when we are, when we don't accept, we're falling deeper, 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 deeper into the hole. And, and I think you probably, a lot of people listening already know this, but acceptance is not about not changing things, right? Acceptance is just saying, this is happening right now. I mm. see it. I see it. I don't like it. That's the thing too. Like we all think we have to like it. We don't have to like it. We just have to say, this is what is. Mm. So I think the, the idea of the acceptance and the gratitude and finding that place to stand and this relationship with uncertainty, all those things alone will change the quality of your life 50, 60, 70%, because those are really baseline issues that we have every day that cause us to suffer. Mm -hmm. And so, but you know, the podcast has so many different things that I've talked about. Um, But those to me, the three, when I'm in the flow of those three things, those three things, my, the quality of my life is so much higher. Mm, so good. And I love the idea of putting down all of our stressors and worries as we enter the moment anew. But how is that possible for those of us who already are overscheduled and lead? I try to eliminate the word stress from my life, but lead stressful lives. Yeah. Well, you know, it's so funny sometimes when, you know, because I have a lot of clients and I live in New York City, I have a lot of clients in New York City. And sometimes they say to me, okay, you wanted me to just tell my boss in the middle of when he's giving me a project I can't handle, he has to stop. I need to put things down. I need 10 minutes. I need to do yoga and then I'll get back to him. And, you know, we laugh, but we always think that the busyness is why we can't put things down. And there's a great story um, in Mark Nepo's book, The Great Awakening. I don't know if you read that book, but he tells the story about this man who's about, it's a beautiful book. Um, he tells a story about a man who's about to enter his house. He's going to paint his house. Whether he has red paint, he's going to paint, I don't know, his living room with red paint. He has brushes, he has cloths, and he's carrying it to the door. And as he gets to the door, he tries to open the door, but he's still carrying everything. And he's mm-hmm. determined to hold on to it mm-hmm. while he opens the door. And what happens? He falls back, the red paint all over him, brushes all over him. And the point was, sometimes in order to enter, no matter what's going on, you need to put it down, only pick up what you need, and then open the door. Yeah. And that, for me, that story, you know, sometimes it's a story that just strikes you in a way. That story was so profound for me when I heard it that I actually use, we have so many doors in our lives. We have a door to our home, a door to our bedroom, a door to our car. Every time I pass through a door, I always say to myself, what can I put down before I enter the next moment? And sometimes it's, I had a problem with a client this morning, but but I'm going to another meeting. So I'll just say, okay, well, you could put that down now and I can enter the moment new. And the more we enter the moment new, the more space we have, right? The more space we have for new things, more creativity. And I think the hardest thing sometimes is when you don't put things down, you bring everything that happened to you before spilled coffee on yourself, you were late to a meeting, you had an argument with your spouse, whatever happened, you bring that to the next situation you're in. And so there's less creativity, there's less presence. Sometimes you snap at the person you're with. So it's really a practice to open up your life, but also to have more space within your life. And again, it's so easy. It's just doorways. It's just a reminder. It's like people wear bracelets. People do all these things. They meditate. For me, I see a door. 
And it's my question to say, what can you put down to mm-hmm. enter this moment new? And that's all it is. And the funny mm-hmm. thing is, often we hold on to things that we don't need anymore. So yeah. sometimes when I put something down, I don't pick it back up. And that's mm-hmm. the thing too. It's the ability, right? The remembering. What can I put down? Because yeah. we don't have to carry everything that we carry every day. We yeah, think we need to, to work on that. I feel like I'm carrying a bunch of stuff. I've got a backpack, a fanny pack. Yeah. I, I laughed yesterday because my phone wouldn't open another Wi-Fi tab. It said, you, you have too many tabs open. And I thought, that is my life. I have too yeah. many tabs open. Yeah. And, and, and we, think, we think if we go quicker, right, we think the more we do, the better it'll be. The mm-hmm. more we get, and, and we think something will save us. Ultimately, yeah. if I accomplish this, then I'll be saved. But the problem with that is that I've worked with so many people. If I publish this book, then my life will be good. If I could just open up my second store, my life will be good. And then you open up the second store and then your kid has a problem. Uh, You write the book, it gets published and then it doesn't sell enough. We have to remember that, that life is for the living and life is for the moment. And it's great to have all these things we love and we wanna do, but how we do them and the vibration and the energy and the flow matters as well. And, And I know you know this, how much we create sometimes doesn't have anything to do with how many tabs are open. It's mm-hmm. just this, this openness, right? The yeah. days where I am so open and so in maybe, when I get really into a maybe state, I have less thoughts and I'm just not judging anything because I don't know what anything means. That's some, when you stop thinking that you know what everything means and you know that everything is a maybe, you're just the joy comes in and I have more opportunities those days. I, I, don't, I don't make more phone calls. It's not that I go to more meetings. It's that I am available to life and then life becomes available to me. So, um, and it's just, you know, practices work for different people. Like someone listening might be, oh, that door thing sounds stupid. And someone else might feel like, wow. Yeah. Try that. It just, what whatever resonates. Yeah. And my best friend, Tom talks about the as soon as tribe, like, well, as soon as I have that house, like you were talking about, as soon as I have that store, and then there's this expectation of, you know, happiness that the expectation often steals the happiness. And I know that towards the end of your book, you talk about how those expectations still are happiness and our ability to move forward, really. So um, maybe you can expand on, I think the big thing here is how to let go of those expectations, because that's a really, a really hard part of it is like letting go of the expectation. You know, I used to teach a lot of different concepts and when my husband left me, everything became so much deeper. You know, you think you know, and then something happens and you're like, oh, now I know. Letting go of the story of what I thought my life would be after 27 years of marriage was probably the hardest thing. This was not supposed to happen. We were supposed to go on family vacations. We were supposed to share our grandkids. We were supposed to, my whole life was was based on this family structure that I had, this marriage. And it was hard to let go of what I expected my life to look like. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, you know, listen, when you, when you go through something so devastating, th- that's not the thing to focus on. First, you have to focus on processing the pain and, and finding a way to get through the day and, and taking really good care of yourself and all those things. But towards the end of the year, I started to hit a wall because that story became a broken idea. And that story was gonna be the story that didn't let me move on with my life. 
and I meet people 10 years out after a bad business deal, a bad deal, a deal went bad 10 years after a bad breakup. We tell that story. This person did this. This shouldn't have happened. I expected this. And it's, it's not that we don't have a right to feel that way. We have a right to feel however we want, but there comes a time when how we feel no longer serves us. And so as I got towards the end of the year, it wasn't about letting go of the pain. It was about that story. Because if I tell the story that my husband shouldn't have left me the rest of my life, and I was supposed to have this, and I was supposed to have that, that's what my life would be. Mm-hmm. And it would never be anything else. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important that, like I said, we allow ourselves that time to process, but there will be a time yeah. when what you expected your life to be, will, and if it's not, will start to eat you up alive. Yeah. And it will cost you. Yeah. Robbing yourself of so much more that could have been. Yeah. And and it's not about feelings. Feel whatever you want to feel. I think people also get confused about that. It's not about grief, not about sadness. It's about the narrative. And so for me, that was a big moment for me to say, I don't, I didn't expect this, but I accept this. And I think when people could start to, to see the narrative, you have to be able to see it. You have to be able to step outside and say, wait a second. I don't like what happened in my life and I'm not sure how I'm going to be okay, but this is no longer my life. And I can't keep telling the story that I expected it to be different because that's not what it is. And it's look, this is a tough pill to swallow, mm-hmm. but it's the beginning of something new. Yeah. So I guess the expectation kind of combines with the acceptance a little bit. Yeah. And there's a, f- a form of comparing there too, comparing your ideal to reality. But with regards to just the compare and despair that you write about, how do comparisons disempower us and what can we do about it to gain our strength back? Yeah. I know comparison is, um, there's that proverb, comparison is the thief of joy. And yeah. it, it definitely can be for me. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. And especially in this world of social media today, I mean, you can get eaten, eaten up alive, just go on Instagram for 10 minutes. Um, And it's funny. I know a lot of people are like, well, that's not really people's lives, but you know something that doesn't really help us. It helps us a little bit, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't really give us our self-worth. It doesn't really give us our value. It doesn't really make us feel better because we have to get to a point that we value ourselves enough that what's happening in the outside world doesn't change our value. I think that's ultimately where women have the hardest time. We're told who we should be. And then we look at ourselves and we know we're not that person. We know we don't look that way. We know maybe we don't have that job. We, we know that we don't have that ideal. We're not that ideal. We don't look that way. I guess I already said that our, our lives are not that way. And in that moment, if we could still value ourselves, that's the thing. You could not like how your eyes look. You could not like how your body looks. You could not like your job, but it doesn't change your value. Yeah. And that's what comparisons do. If we don't value ourselves or not enough, we're going to look at someone and say, oh my God, look at them. And we're going to start to feel bad about ourselves. Mm-hmm. So you could admire something, but you can't turn it on ourselves. We, we beat ourselves up. And what's so interesting about it is that it's almost like we turn the patriarchy on ourselves. We, we, we turn that disregard, that devaluing that women have in society. We do it to us mm-hmm. when we compare ourselves. So again, let's not confuse not liking something to not valuing ourselves. And that piece, when you get that piece, when you can look at yourself and say, I don't like how my eyes look, but I still value myself. I, I wish that you know I had a better job, but I'm still valuable. That's mm-hmm. when the comparisons change. Mm-hmm. It, it's the comparisons make us feel less than 
Yeah. And that's why we need to stop it because if we go out into the world less than we will get less. And believe me, your husband leaving you and he's with a younger woman, he's with a 34 year old woman. I mean, I can write a lot of stories, but I won't write them because that has nothing to do with my value in this lifetime. Mm -hmm. and, and when I know that, no matter what I feel, I, my, my spine goes up, I have dignity, I have grace, and I will walk into any room and be who I need to be and enjoy life and not be afraid to be me. But when I compare, like you said, when you compare, you despair because you're letting the outside world create your value. And then life's going to be a roller coaster. When everyone loves you, you'll be happy. And when you don't get the attention or you don't get the podcast views, you're crushed. Can't be that way. Again, you could want the views, but it can't be the value of who you are. And when women start to value themselves, that's when they find their true voice. And when they find their true voice, the world is your oyster. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think when it comes to comparing, it's like, you have a chapter titled just because someone says it doesn't make it true. We could say that about our own thoughts. Just because I think it doesn't mean it's true, but maybe you can talk a bit about that chapter as well. Yeah, that I, what's so interesting about that is women are more vulnerable that than, than men. For some reason you tell a woman something and she's more likely to believe it. And I think it's because of maybe more her vulnerability. You call her ugly, you say she's stupid. A guy is more likely to say, I'm not stupid. I don't care what you say. And for some reason as women, maybe because we're not fully empowered, I find that with my women clients and with myself as well, we're more vulnerable to that. And that sentence changed my life because when my husband left me, he said, one of the things he said is that he left me because I was selfish. Mm. And I had been in the worst thing. So everything was like, it was like the worst thing anyone could possibly say to me. And if I believed that, I wasn't going to be able to move on. And it was that thought, well, just because he said it doesn't mean it's true. Mm. And as women in the workplace, just because you don't get the promotion, just because you don't get the raise, doesn't mean that you're not competent. And I think that's what happens. Eventually you get to a point in your life and you're like, if I was so great, why wouldn't I have a bigger business? If I was so great, why wouldn't I have a better marriage? If I, and we have to remember that that's just the outside world messaging to us what we're supposed to think. And we need to find our own truth. And that mantra, just because someone said it, doesn't make it true. It's life-changing when you can integrate it. And if you can't get there, you can use the maybe statement. You could say, maybe that thought's not true. Maybe what that person, because sometimes you're like, well, I, I don't have the courage, but maybe we'll give you the courage because maybe it's just a contemplation. You allow yourself to contemplate the possibility that what that person said to you is not true. The minute you give yourself a little space, the light comes in and your true authentic self starts to rise. So the mantra alone, if you could keep saying it again and again and again and start to believe it or use it through a maybe statement, will change your life because then your voice becomes louder. We stress we feel bad because the outer world has a louder voice but when our voice prevails we're balanced we're happy we're joyous we're open and we're out in the world living our best life yeah mm. yeah that's really good thank you <clears throat> i we ask a few questions at the end of every show but because we have a little bit more time i did want to ask you with all of this, it seems like the theme is is partly bringing ourselves forward more in all areas of life. So maybe there's some 
um, tangible ways that we can do that. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, what's really interesting is the way to bring ourselves forward mm -hmm. is to look within ourselves mm. and look for the places that we're hiding, the places where we don't believe that we're whole enough, that we're good enough, that we could really have the life that we want. Mm. And that was the really purpose of the book. It has 12 principles that if you kill your relationship with uncertainty, you find a way to accept, you find a way to trust. And, and the book has exercises and yeah. paths for everyone. But the way forward is to fix what's inside. Because I was out in the world for a long time and I had a lot of outer success, but I could never get where I really wanted to go because of the brokenness within. We think that we could fix the brokenness by just moving it forward and pushing it forward and going to work and acting like a man and doing, but we'll never be everything we want to be because the pain, when we hide and when the pain exists, there's a limiting feature to it because we're always hedging. We're always trying to make ourselves feel better with something that's not lasting. So my goal for the book was fix the inner world, find the wholeness, find the value, commit to these principles, and then moving forward will be so much easier because I believe that everyone listening to this podcast right now, we all have goals. We all know what our goals and dreams are usually. It's just we don't believe we could have them, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, mm -hmm. I'm out in the world now more authentically stronger mm -hmm. and it is less it's less painful that's the best the best part about my life i'm not talking about the pain of my husband leaving that i don't have that pain about being in the world and feeling like my voice doesn't matter because i matter to me so fix these things inside and that forward movement yeah it all you'll, you'll glide into it you'll glide into it yeah yeah really comes down to value i feel like a lot of these answers are so good so there's a few short questions I like to ask everyone who okay. comes on the show. The first one is, if you could hug your younger self right now, what would you say? If I could hug my younger self? Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. Um, I would say to my younger self, you're okay. Mm -hmm. I really would just say you're okay. And just the way you are. And you don't need to hide and your voice matters and you have a life in front of you and life has maybe. I probably wouldn't understand if I would have said to myself, life has maybe, but for me, that, that concept has freed me to, to be me and to live a life where I could take risks and know it'll be okay, no matter what. I love that, especially that just the way you are part, that's yeah. so important. If you could have the whole world read one book, which would it be? I think at this point, I actually think that book that I mentioned, Mark Nepo's The Great Awakening, I think that's, a, you know, he was, he was dying of cancer when he wrote that book. He actually lived, but he thought he was dying. And that book was, it's almost, you feel like it's written by God. It, you know, it's just these, I think it's like 365 days and it's like, you know, one or two pages. And sometimes when you read a passage, it'll hit you in a place that you'll actually almost go, oh, you'll almost like, you know, that noise you make sometimes when you hear something so sacred. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of my favorite books I've ever read. I keep it by my bedside. I've never gotten through the whole book. I can't believe I haven't heard of it. Oh, it is so beautiful. I hope I, today. I hope I said the right name, but it is like, you'll read a page or two and it'll just hit you in a way that it'll shift you. And and sometimes like I'll go back to the, the page again and again to just try to integrate it. And 
it's 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 godly. It really is. It's it's a sacred book that he wrote, and I think it was so sacred because everything had fallen away. He was so ill that like he was left with just the rawness of his own humanity and what it meant to be alive. Mm-hmm. And when you could remember those things, you become so much more grateful and humble. And sometimes the stress and worry just fall away because the meaning of the moment becomes so real and me and, yeah. and everything. And so that book always does that for me. And so it's a great read. Oh, I am excited about that one. Okay. If you could have the whole, or if you could whisper one phrase to everyone on the planet, what would it be? Maybe. (laughs) It would be maybe maybe because, you know, hope, I wouldn't get out of bed in the morning without hope. To me, Mm -hmm. hope is the beginning of every business, every relationship, everything, every, I think depression is just a lack of hope in the future. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Our children, how could you have children without hope? So to me, it's like, when you know life has maybe, and it's interesting, during the pandemic, a lot of my mm-hmm. podcasts became more about maybe because mm-hmm. just to remind us that, you know, we, we don't know what the future is going to bring. And because we don't know, let's let's not get stuck. It might not be pleasant. It might be scary, but openings are always available to us. And what's also so amazing about maybe is when you're really in maybe, the stress, the worry calms down, but your future projections calm down and you end up more present. Mm. And you end up more in the life that you're living in and you, you get like all the juice out of things. Mm. So for me, maybe it's not just like, oh, maybe I'll do that. It, it's a way to live. And when you become more present, you become more of everything that you are and, and life really shifts. So, you know, I know I wrote a year without men, but, you know, maybe that maybe concept for me is it's always so life-saving. Oh, it is. It really is. It feels revolutionary for me today. All right. So lastly, where can people find you online? Uh, I have a great website, Allison at AllisonCarmen.com. Uh, both my books, The Gift of Maybe and A Year Without Men, they're available um, online. A, give, a Year Without Men will be out July 6th, but pre-sales are you know, on the online, I think, bookstores and stuff. You can get the pre-sales on Amazon. Uh, 10 Minutes to Less Suffering, my podcast, you can find it on iTunes. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, that's basically where I am. And I live in New York City. That's where I am. Yeah. <laughs> that's where I am yeah, thank you so much. You answered so many questions so concisely and uh, really, really helpful information that the concept of maybe, uh, like, seriously, it hit me so strong that I'm like, do I need to tattoo that word on my body? Like that's how, that's how much it, it, it feels powerful for me. So thank you so, so much for everything you offered today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been wonderful to be here today. Yeah. This was so nice. It was so nice to meet you. And, yeah. um, and what, so are you transitioning now? You're transitioning your, your business to more coaching and well, um, yeah. So you know, I do a lot of work that's based on image and uh, appearance and things like that. And it's just, it's been for a while now that, you know, I make good enough money to provide for my kids, you know, as a mom of two, um, it's my goal to be able to put them through Montessori and to just give them stability. But I really feel called to just work with that program that I told you about. It's it's a four-week program that I built where 
you know, we're looking at inner child wounding. We're looking at why you've called in the partners that you've chosen, um, your relationship inventory, you know, setting up your next relationship container and who you want to call in and then being open to that type of love, being an open invitation to only that kind of love. And um, it's just, you know, I've been putting it out there for a few weeks, but it is something that I, I feel a strong pull to put, you know, all of my energy into right now. So you'll, you'll figure it out. You know, I've had a lot of clients over the years that for a while had to kind of had two businesses in a way. Mm-hmm. And what's really from the heart, what's really, for, it, it'll, it'll just keep happening. Yeah. It'll keep happening. You remember too, we're selling, I don't mean selling, but you're in, we're introducing people to something new. Mm-hmm. And so I've always found in my life, like, yeah, when you know, I was a lawyer for a long time. So when I had a, a someone come to my office, I would always get the client. Cause it was something people knew. And yeah. yet when I started consulting and coaching, it was totally different. Yeah. Uh, but I find the right people will come. I have a good feeling. I have a good feeling about your work mm-hmm. and I just continue, 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 stay in maybe. And, um, it's going to happen for you. Yeah, I, I feel um, very passionate about this work. And this is work that I've done myself. Um, I didn't do a year without men, but I did a nine month celibacy <laughs> where, I, <laughs> where I did this work myself. And I, I feel I have the authority to, to help others move through it. Um, and the one coach that I, I mean, the one client that I do have, she is ready for it and open. And both of our lives are, are, you know, really touched by working together and um so i am i'm excited about it um and i feel initiated into it by what i've been through so um yeah so thank you for that encouragement it'll definitely definitely just stay with it like you know time is a funny thing yeah you know we think we know right we think we know and yet you know just open to the unknown and i really believe that if you're able to stay in maybe and not you know let the fears or those those things come in and you you're able to just keep those thoughts do they keep shedding and you're open oh my god yeah i have a really good feeling you are just god bless you're gonna be great you are great you are great so we don't need to go into the future so thank you so much for having me this is um all kind of new the interviews uh for this book so it's amazing it's it's a new journey so we'll see i really hope and pray my prayers that women like you and everybody around the world just go out there and start their own businesses and become fully empowered to that the world will become better when women have more of a voice out there so so let's we'll keep moving and hopefully our paths will cross again yes i am certain that they will thank you so much we'll meet again yes talk to you soon Bye. bye All right, you guys, I know that her message is mostly geared towards women, but I feel like that really applied to both men and women. And, uh, you know, it came down to a lot of self-worth, how you valued yourself. And that concept of maybe was really big for me. Um, Yeah, ambiguity has always been a hard thing for me to accept. And I think it's okay to have your big yeses. Yes, I choose this person with all my heart. They are a yes. They will never be a maybe. They are a yes. Yes, I choose this. Um, this, you know, like I said with the coaching program. Yes, I choose this with all my heart. This is not a maybe. This podcast is not a maybe. This is a yes. You know, but that that being okay with the maybes, that is really big for me. So, I'm really really thankful for that message today and to be able to speak with her. And thank you guys so much for tuning in and being on this journey with me. 
It would mean so much to me if you would leave a review or share an episode with a friend. And you can also join me on Instagram at untamed and unshamed. As always, be a light, stay open, and remember, you belong here. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.